0: Hi, heathens, it's me, Flamey Grant. Guess what? This episode that you are about to listen to is also available on our YouTube channel. That's right. Karen and I sat down, not just in front of microphones, but in front of a camera for the very first time and made our very first video podcast episode. So if you're the kind of person who likes to watch, come on over to our YouTube channel. You can watch the conversation unfold with our phenomenal guest, Brenda Marie Davies. Uh, The link will be in the show notes. Look forward to seeing you.
1: Less alone, more alive. I'm Karen Thurston.
0: I'm Anissa Nishira. I'm Ben Grace. And I'm Flamy Grant. Welcome to Heathen. (laughs) Welcome to another episode. Um, Welcome to the first time we're doing a video episode. We don't know. We we may or may not post this as a video episode, but if you are watching this on YouTube, that means we did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you're going to get so much of my blue steel face every time I notice myself on camera. You'll Ah. notice that my face just goes all of a sudden, and it's going to be great. My eyebrows go up, my cheeks go back. It's wonderful. My mm. jaw will be sore by the end. Yes. And here we
0: are. Absolutely. We're all in this together. If you just paint it all on, Karen, you don't have to worry about that shit.
1: It is nice. We <laughs> only, only have the, the timing con- conviction.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. So this feels like a heathen classic episode because you and I are back together hosting, which we haven't done in a while. Oh, Nice. We uh, uh kids yeah, we exactly, yeah, we got the new the the new hosts and we've been pairing off in different coupling off in different groups and everything, but this is this feels like season two heathen right here. Little we'll throwback.
1: <laughs> this is our throwback dance <laughs> that
0: we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that goes. Yes, exactly. So uh we'll stop talking now and get to our guest. So yes. <laughs> Brenda Marie Davies is on the line with us. Uh, Brenda of God is gray. You mm-hmm. probably are familiar with the exactly, yeah. yeah, the the YouTube channel, all of it. Very amazing work that you're doing, and we couldn't be happier to have you on Heathen. Thank you for coming.
2: I'm so happy to be here. Um, yes, I, I identify as a sex positive, LGBTQ affirming, science believing, intellectual Christian. I guess now progressive <gasps> Christian, which is sort of like new terminology. Yeah that's where I fall.
0: <laughs> I love the intellectual part of that. That's yeah, that like, great. yeah, we should be bragging about that. Absolutely.
2: Oh my gosh. I, I was the
1: exhausting number.
2: Yeah. I was just so jealous oh, ahead, when I ahead. was younger of people that were allowed to use their intellect to make decisions. Like I watched friends of mine move through the world really intuitively and use information and facts and different antidotes from other people's life to like, figure out which direction to go. And I was like, so jealous of that. I was like, I'm not allowed to use my mind. I have to use this black and white quote unquote Bible and this really restrictive ethic on every single decision that I'm making in my life. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's a whole, it's a whole other layer of work too, because you have to actually find the Bible verse that applies. Like you have to go in and dig through it and find the, the, the text that you can somehow twist and contort to make your point. Ugh, so yes, much Yes.
2: Denying yeah. science, not, not affirming. affirming. Yeah. Sorry. I keep interrupting you. Um, but denying science, not affirming queer people all of that stuff is exhausting. It's, it's so exhausting because it really fundamentally at its core makes absolutely no sense. Like when you look at all of the hoops you have to jump over to not affirm people and to deny different elements of science, it's exhausting. It's so much. And that's not like, I mean, I know the accusation is like, you're succumbing to culture and you've dipped your toe into that and you're gone astray. And it's like, no, it's just acknowledging reality and then figuring out, which is very easy to see, where divine thrives and lives and and moves through those spaces, which is so enlightening and beautiful mm. and, yeah, definitely a part of spiritual practice.
0: I love um, how I've heard you talk about why you chose um, the title God is Gray for your platform. Uh, I'd love it if you would, like, give us just a quick version of that, because... I, I feel like we we also have a, a title that can set certain um, people aflame with <laughs> with a little bit of resistance. Um, in fact, we've had a hard time sometimes getting guests on the show because they're like, I don't know if I can be on a like, show called Heathen. Um,
1: just don't put it under my face on the thing
2: yeah. or my picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just... I'll proudly wear that. I'm down. Post me all you want as a heathen.
0: <laughs> Yay.
2: Um. Yeah, it was really, it was actually a really beautiful moment because when the concept came to me for this YouTube channel, it really all began because I had written a very messy, much longer version of my memoir on her knees and I was trying to get it published or I was trying to figure it out. And I've always, I've always wanted to be a writer, but really what I wanted to do with this book was to share my story because I just found it impossible to believe that I was alone. And at that time, I completely thought mm-hmm. I was alone. And I know there are pioneers that have come before me now. And I'm so blessed to say so many of them are friends and have even endorsed my book, like Pete Enns and Linda K. Klein was doing her work for 12 years and all of these different people. Obviously, Rachel Held Mm. Evans and all of these wonderful, wonderful people that have already been in that space. But I had no idea they existed. So I was on my lonesome journey thinking there has to be someone that can relate to this story. And I know that it's a message that has to be heard because it's all about purity culture and i don't know when people are listening to this right now but right now in the news is the murder of these women at the massage parlors this obviously racist motivated murder but also the kid who is the son of a baptist minister and it's all entangled in purity culture mm-hmm. and misogyny and the way the church perpetuates these ideals so i always saw the harm in the world always and I really wanted to speak to it. But I was approaching publishers and they kept saying, there's no audience for this. We like the idea, but there's no audience for this. And I was like, yes, there is. Yes, there is. And this is also before Donald Trump and everything. So bear that in mind, because I think even though the moral majority – Existed and people kind of knew that there was this evangelical undercurrent in our government, it definitely wasn't as blatant in your face and obvious as it was with that whole (laughs) delightful time on our uh, American history (laughs) page. But um, Mm. so no one was really seeing it. And I went on YouTube and I was Googling just to find – camaraderie there. I was like, where are sex positive Christians? There must be LGBTQ affirming Christians. And instead I was assaulted by the same toxic rhetoric and theology that I had grown up with. I found a myriad of young people on YouTube who were endorsing purity culture, talking about if your spaghetti straps aren't, you know, wide enough? Who knows what's going to happen to you? And it was just all of the same stuff. I was like, I can't believe this is still the prevalent nature of this conversation. It hasn't evolved because at the time I had been out of church for maybe five or six years on what I was calling my prodigal son journey. I didn't have the word deconstruction. It was just prodigal son. And, um, And then my final Mm. straw was a girl saying that God is her birth control. And she's sitting in her glass house, almost literally, (laughs) with like all this affluence. She obviously has the money to pretend that God can have some sort of biological say in whether or not you're getting pregnant. And I know people might push back on that. I definitely do believe in divine intervention. I do believe in miracles. I hold space for things like that to happen. But when we're denying that there are real barriers to pregnancy that you want to use if you're not interested in getting pregnant, that is when it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. So she kind of gave this message without the caveat of like, oh, but if you don't want to get pregnant X, Y, and Z, it was just like, trust God. And I got so angry. I was storming around my house. I picked up and dusted off this camera, literally. (laughs) that i would had in my closet that I never use. Hmm. And I just went to upload my first video. And as soon as it came to me, I kind of like, I really had this moment where I just left. And when I came to again, I had written down like 40 topics that I thought I could, I could use if I had my own YouTube channel. And God is gray came to me immediately and I was immediately arguing with divinity on that. I was like, I can't say that everyone's going to be like, God isn't gray. He's black and white. And I was like, it's going to be exhausting. No one's going to get it. But, um, the title prevailed because it just, it was always meant to be that title. And like I said, I identify as Christian. So it was to me a very divine and real experience of receiving that name. And now I think the, the, the polarizing reaction that it gets is also so beautiful because it's like, if it strikes you and it offends you fine, at least you're listening, like come in here and listen to what we're all saying.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. I also love that anger was your motivation in that moment. (laughs) That's, That's my kind of person right there. (laughs) (laughs) gets shit done. Yeah, it it truly, truly does. Um, It's
2: funny you say that because anger is is not usually like um, an emotion I'm comfortable with because it's the only emotion that I feel I have mm -hmm. where I feel a sense of like a loss of self-control. And that kind of freaks me out because I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. who knows what I'll say? or Mm -hmm. And I don't like that feeling but at the same time i have recognized that i do know how to exercise restraint and i exercise restraint a lot on is gray like any spicy thing you might hear me say about something has been filtered down from like the worst version of it that I probably screamed in the shower earlier. It <laughs> <We> got here.
0: <laughs>
2: it came here and then we bring it here. Exactly. Yeah. This is
0: why I have Karen because... I'm the I, filter. Karen is the filter for <laughs> Eden. I would, if it were up to me, yeah, we, we there would be a lot more polarizing things coming out of the Instagram account.
1: You write account. the email and then I go, okay, so... <laughs> We could say this.
2: That's great.
0: <laughs> but there's a place for that. There's such a place and 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 a, a need for us to be able to interact with Absolutely. our anger well and uh, and it does get shit done. It does mm-hmm. do work that other emotions just you know would take longer. <laughs> yeah. And um I mean, we see it all around in the world today with uh, just any any number of injustices and and how they are. Often anger motivated and outrage, and but 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 anger from this place of justice, uh, just injustice oriented anger. That's my favorite. I love I love when people are standing up because they see how others are um, being yeah. oppressed, being traumatized, being hurt.
2: That's a really interesting distinction too, because my personal definition of sin, which is just something that simplifies it for me in my head, is to see it as anything that causes harm you're outputting harm, you're inputting harm, you're harming the environment. Mm. You know, like I'm on a journey of becoming vegan. Cheese is the last thing that I have to let go of that's the hardest to let go of. But it's like-
1: Cheese is the final frontier.
2: It really, I mean, cheese is amazing. But here we are. And the reason is because it's like, I I can only spend so many hours or so many years in denial of certain realities. And if I'm causing harm in the world, you really have to confront it at a certain point. And to your point, flame me like anger when used in a sinful way, by my definition would be when you're just harming people because you're hurt yourself, you're outputting it, you're making other people feel ashamed or whatever. And And there is a place for that. And I give grace, especially when someone's in a marginalized community. I think a lot of people will angrily output shame like you should have known or you should have already been on this journey 20 years ago. And that's that's okay because everyone is going to process this differently and marginalized people absolutely deserve and need the grace and space to process it However, they want to. And I think it's up to us, those of us, myself primarily, that's standing in a space where I've not been marginalized in any way, except for maybe being a woman. But even that, I feel like I've enjoyed the fruits of being like a beautiful, tall, blonde woman, which is a whole other story, you know? Um, So when we talk about righteous anger, it's like you may think I'm harming you for calling you out and taking you to task, but I'm not harming you. I'm calling you to do better. I'm, I'm asking for you to look at mm. the plank in your eye and acknowledge it. And if it harms you quote unquote, by making you lose a position, you know, like this pastor that just went uh, viral for having that whole sermon where he was body shaming his wife and saying she had to give him yeah. sex. Did you guys see that? Yes. Yeah,
1: that was a
2: winner. Yeah. It's like that guy might suffer harm in that he's going to lose his job or position, which it looks like he didn't even, it looks like they put him on a temporarily probably paid leave of absence. So I'll believe it when I see it, that he improves as a person, but it's like, that's a righteous anger. We have every right to be mad at that person righteously out of love because he is causing pain to others and it just needs to stop. I mean, is that the way you see it as well?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Well, and I feel like that, you know, I mean, we, we have a conversation a lot around like
1: cancel culture versus consequences versus this, that, and the other thing, but there is a, just a constant need to reorient that pointing out the harm being done is not the same as doing the harm. Like pointing Mm -hmm. out that this is harmful is not being the cause of the harm that is identifying that this is harmful. So he, this pastor is the person who has created the harm and the harm is affecting him. That harm that he created, that he put out into the world has an effect on others and on him. And there, there's a huge, huge misdirect of like, what is divisive? What is causing harm? What is harmful? Yes, sure, he's experienced harm. He's experiencing harm in that, but it's harm that he put out there. It's harm that he created in the world, not the people who are pointing to it and saying, hey, this thing you did was harmful.
2: Yeah, that's a brilliant distinction. You're exactly right.
0: Um, enough of that, Pastor. Though I want to talk about <laughs> you. <Brian. laughs> um, could we uh, get a little glimpse, maybe a little insight into what your uh, upbringing was like, and especially if there was uh, what what religious scenarios were um, <laughs> really structuring your well. <laughs> yeah, like, Religious scenarios can be <laughs> ominous.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, what what did that look like for you coming up in the world?
2: I was brought up a casual Catholic. So we just went on holidays and guilty Sundays. It was very random. Um, I loved the reverence of that space because to me, there wasn't for me guilt or shame, that casual nature of just like coming in occasionally just felt really good. I really felt divinity in that place and I loved the sensation of it. And I always brought it home with me too. Like I would always pray at my bedside for wars to end and for peace on earth and all these sweet young prayers. Mm. And, um, and I was very deeply affected by injustice and racial inequality and all of these different things from a young age, whenever I do look back, which is why Flamey, I love that. We were talking about, um, Inner child work and in our interview for my channel because just remembering who you were as a child is so incredible because when you're living out your true essence. I feel like it always reflects exactly who you were in those like really young formative moments, especially if you had like a really healthy childhood like I did. Like I was very, was told I was beautiful and lovely and smart and beloved and all of these wonderful things. It was very quintessential and and lovely. And then um, when I was 12 years old, everything got shot to hell (laughs) Um I went into an evangelical Christian church, um self-proclaimed non-denominational Christian church, and that was the first mm-hmm. time that I heard God cries when I masturbate was one of the very first lessons I remember receiving. Oh. <laughs> and um Yeah,
0: poor
2: God. Yeah, but poor, it, God. <laughs> poor God. I know he's suffering a lot if that's what makes him cry for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, yeah but um basically i was also from a very young age really fascinated and drawn to sex obviously as a young child you don't like really know a lot about that i wasn't engaged with it in any way but i was dying to learn more especially as i was coming into puberty and that really like itched my ears when that pastor said that because i was like uh, someone said sex in public, this is a handsome guy, Pastor Scott, like he's so suave and cool. He's talking about his dark sexual past and how he's repented for it. And now he's waiting for his wife. And it was just so engaging and amazing to hear someone talk about sex so Mm. openly. And now, of course, when we look back, it's like sex is spoken about in church constantly, but it's talked Around and through and about anything but actual fact based, science based, healthy, edifying things about sex. It's basically like this concept, this is something you're gonna enjoy so much when you get married. You're gonna have a million orgasms, you're gonna ride off from the sunset, but only if you subscribe to this very specific sexual ethic. Otherwise, the counterpoint is you're burning in hell for eternity. (laughs) Super fun. Um, Stakes are high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I really fell hook, line, and sinker for it, and I've I've explained it to completely like non-Christian friends who just kind of became fascinated because every time I talk about my. Childhood and saving myself from marriage, and all of these things, people are like, Oh, so you grew up in like a ho dunk town of 14 people, and your parents are religious. And it was like, No, <laughs> I grew up like in Jersey with like a pretty diverse community of people, and it was completely myself. I was the one that brought myself into that environment and mm. chose to live this out. But I realized it was because I had this very, very intuitive, real communion with divinity. Already. And all it took was this 23 year old Pastor Scott to grab onto that really earnest, true piece of myself and my spirituality and say, That thing that you feel such a deep connect- connection to, that you profoundly connect to at night, every night at your bedside, that thing cries when you masturbate. That Lord is actually heartbroken if you mm. lose your virginity. And um, I really think that's what it was. It was just taking something earnest inside of myself and really twisting and perverting it into something it was never intended to be.
0: Wow. there's like eight eight follow-up questions Thanks, I have Pastor now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Pastor Scott. Um, Thanks a lot. Uh, I mean. None
1: yeah. of your business, Pastor Scott. I'm <laughs> just gonna go ahead and throw that out there.
0: Maybe, maybe not for you to
1: comment on. Pastor yeah, Scott. maybe not. Maybe just skip yeah there's so much in that right like the obsession Mm -hmm. with sex in youth groups in particular and the pathology that comes out of that that is so obviously directly plucked from that obsession like the you know we know this we know you can eroticize an ankle if you say that it is yeah erotic to see an ankle and so Mm -hmm. just the the circular nature of the whole thing
0: just
1: is it's never surprising and it's always baffling
0: yeah the the whole self-imposed um nature of your (laughs) your experience too i i just relate to that very much because i i i I did the same thing with um my queerness you know i i i mean it was it was very much externally uh uh, motivated I, i i believed it was wrong and so i therefore you know took steps to correct it. But I mean, I, I, no one put me in Exodus or conversion therapy. I did that to myself. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that it's, it's, it's interesting when it's so powerful that it, that you've internalized it that much that you, uh, you can, you can, you know, change how you would otherwise be in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just wanted to comment on your, uh, uh, your casual Catholic upbringing and the divinity that you found there. I love that. I, um, growing up super, um, southern bible belt uh fundamentalist evangelical uh the first time i went to a catholic church was just i felt similarly i it was it was um uh, or Catholic service, I, I just just the I loved the ritual. I loved that I didn't know what the hell was going on. All of a sudden, everybody would just in unison say something, and I'm like, "What? Oh, okay. <laughs> stand, um, sit. stand, sit, kneel, do these <laughs> things." And it was uh, the, the the there was a there was a, an embrace of mystery, at least in the the church that um, I ended up, I ended up going on, like. Wednesday mornings to mass mm. just randomly uh because it was on the way I lived very close to work and I would walk to work and I literally that's why I just popped in there one day just because there was a mass happening and I was like I want to see what this is all about and I ended up going for like several months after that just like getting up early in order to go to mass
2: wow. just
0: because it was a I loved the embrace of mystery that was there and that was not a thing that was like ever talked about in our and in, in my upbringing everything was known and black and white and you know not gray and um and so I loved that there was space for the unknown and space for talking about things other than the, all the supremacy of Jesus. You know, they talked about Mary. They talked about saints. Uh, it, was very, it was very interesting to me.
2: Yeah, that is a good point. I was taught that, like in evangelicalism, I was taught that, that Catholics were idolizing Mary, but then when I look mm-hmm. back at it again, I'm like, Yeah, but then you just totally discarded her as an irrelevant character in the story. Mm -hmm. And I was even recounting this story of um, Mary and Martha, and I had never read that independently before. I just heard it. I'm going to try not to exaggerate. I'll say... 15 to 17 times in evangelical spaces. And the story was always framed as Mary and Martha, Jesus comes to the house. Martha's scurrying around the kitchen like a big dumb idiot. Jesus is in her living room and she's just like Mm -hmm. missing the blessing because she's just so like not focused on the miracle and she's completely missing it. And Jesus has to chastise her and remind her to like sit down and pay attention. And I read that years later, like after my deconstruction slash prodigal son journey. And I was like, this patriarchal church that taught me this total and utter BS. Like why did you not mention that historically She had no other option. You think Jesus Christ could walk into her house and she'd be free to sit down and listen to the message without being chastised by every single man in that room? Yeah, like there's no way that she was welcome. And I'm like, when Jesus said that, that was a feminist move. He was saying, hey, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be in your patriarchally deemed role and scurry around the kitchen like that, please come here, sit down with me and partake in this blessing. And it's just like, there's so many layers to it when you realize how we've discarded, the importance of the feminine divine. Even in the original text of the Bible, in the very beginning of earth, which makes complete Mm. sense, it mirrors the way that we are procreated on this earth in general. It is a mixture of feminine and masculine pronouns. Both pronouns come together to begin the world. And that is a story of creation. And then our patriarchy took that story And completely washed it and it's all masculine pronouns. So our male God with his penis and balls made the earth all by his (laughs) (laughs) self.
0: He just (laughs) ejaculated (laughs) it out there into space. (laughs)
2: Woo that that's so much
1: time because he wasn't
0: masturbating.
2: (laughs) (laughs) God spilled his seed and here we all are, here we are. But, (laughs) but that's such a huge part of my deconstruction too. And you just reminded me of it because it's like Mm -hmm. the Catholic church has so many problems. We know I made a joke the other day that Mm -hmm. the like RIP to the Pope, he's not dead. He's just dead to me. Like I'm so mad at him right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he had an opportunity Mm -hmm. to make history and, At the same time, I don't know the nuance. There's so much, like, there's so many politics involved. There's so much history involved. I don't know how much freedom he actually had to make an autonomous decision on that, whatever. But the Catholic Church, for all its flaws, allows for nuance, allows for change. They get together and have these sessions because they acknowledge that for the church to stay relevant in this world, they have to move forward and progress with society, And the fact that evangelicals will dig their heels in the ground and be like, God never changes. And I'm like, well, back in the day, people thought he changed his mind on slavery. And back in the day, he changed Mm -hmm. his mind and girls are allowed to choose who they get married to. Like, do you really want to go back to biblical marriage? Because that's polygamy uh, between child brides and rich dudes. That's not really what I'm trying to do. I don't know about all 'all. (laughs) y'all.
1: That's a, that's a property exchange, which is yeah. like, uh, yeah. something that I'm
2: keen to sign up for. So I do have to commend the, the Catholic wow. church. Yes. And that's like the ancient tradition that is shared by, um, it's the Jewish tradition as well, where people will like, mm-hmm. f- like just get together and look at the text and argue about it and, and will actually live in the joy of being like, oh, we are having a really heated discussion. We don't know what this means.
0: I love that. Absolutely, the the joy, the joy of it, the joy of being able to be open to experience change, to discover new things, uh, to learn something from someone else who had a different experience than you. Yeah, it, it does seem sometimes that evangelicalism and or just you know fundamentalist Christianity in general is the the place, the one. To, Religion, where that's not not a tradition,
1: and the audacity of that—the audacity of the assumption that everything we need to know about the divine is contained in this little tiny book that I read by the time I was, you know, twelve—I'd read it because I had to—and so (laughs) by twelve, I have now absorbed all the knowledge that I need about the divine. That's it. That's it. God, God is in this book, and without the book, God is nothing. The audacity of that premise is is wild. That's that that makes your God so little and and and.
0: While, while still embracing notions of Holy Spirit and and things like that, but but really at the end of the day, it really did come down to what what's in the Word. That's you it. Know? And, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah.
1: And our and this particular interpretation of what's yeah. in the Word, like mm-hmm. this this understanding of it. That's it. There's nothing else to talk about here, which is just boring. Like that. It, it's so it's so limited and so small mm-hmm. and it's so difficult at this point i think and i'm sure you experience this i feel like youtube is a place where a, a lot of evangelical fervor still still lives in comment sections um
2: tiktok seems worse though i just got oh, on tiktok and i'm like uh i kind of i really had a beautiful experience at the beginning of god is gray i made one video i think it was called sup haters and i just said I don't care. Like, it was basically like, I don't care. I've heard these things. Like, if you'd like to present something new, if you'd like to form a question around, if you'd like to lean into curiosity, if you'd like to respect other people's opinion while sharing your opinion, you're welcome to do that. Otherwise, I honestly can't hear what you're saying because you're not saying anything. Like I I've heard it all before and I haven't made that announcement on TikTok yet, but I might because I'm looking at my comment section and I'm like, Oh, here we go again. These, these circular arguments that yeah. that just harm people and probably ruin everyone's day, get nowhere. And, and it's sad because it's just yeah. like, I know again, I've been in these shoes of the oppressor for many years. If I had just had the misfortune yep. of being 12 years old right now. I would be on TikTok creating my own jam that would be like screaming at Flamey Grant and, you know, all of these things because yep. I know how it feels and it, and it, They, when they say it's coming from love, Mm -hmm. I I really believe that it strangely is. And I know that can be a very triggering, hurtful thing, especially to say to someone in the LGBTQ community. But what I mean by that isn't, oh, they love you so much. So they're calling out your sin. It's just like, They've been told that love means to help no one else go to hell. And all of the anxiety that you feel about, I can't go to hell. No one I love can go to hell. I see this other beautiful person. I don't want them to go to hell. It's anxiety and fear. And I also say over and over again that the Bible says don't fear or some variation of that over 90 times. The Bible also said that our enemy, Mm -hmm. Satan, is the author of fear. And yet we've built our church and our sexual ethic on a foundation of fear. Not right. Completely wrong. We're supposed to build everything on a foundation of love. And that's not having some sort of like complacency with people. You're still calling out what you can see improving in yourself and your friends. Conviction is real. I get convicted all of the time. And it's it's brutal and it can just really like strike me to my core, but at the same time, it it is with that love that the Bible talks about. Like when you're called out with conviction, it mobilizes you. It tells you you can do better. I'm only telling you this because I know you're better than this. Mm. Whereas shame says you're a piece of garbage. And shame even knocks on your door after conviction. Like if your best friend tells you Hey, you I know you can be better in this area. Shame will then knock and be like, hi, do you want to feel like garbage about that thing that she just said? <laughs> so you're like constantly oh, yeah. having to battle you're against that. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and especially if you come from a tradition, I grew up, you know, in a, a, a relatively, I call it a, a big box American church that self-proclaimed non-denominational evangelical, just Costco of churches. Um I'll <laughs> <laughs> <that's> hear. <laughs> Um, and, and just, especially when, I mean, the entire marketing plan is shame. The entire marketing plan is you are, you are a piece of shit. That's it. That's it. And you need Jesus and whatever else in order to be tolerable to God, to anyone, you need these things. And, and so no matter how I think much work and healing and all of the, all of the things that we uh, are doing to get past and through that, there's still just this it's just there and I've kind of gotten to the place where I'm like it's always going to be there that work is always going to be in the now daily present work that I'm doing that having to just go back and say I know what I know and use all the tools that I have to shut down that shame voice I don't think I'm ever going to evolve enough that that knock doesn't happen and then I don't hear it it's just in my bones it's the story that I was given
2: Yeah. yeah yes dismantling those stories takes such a long time
0: Karen, pop a bottle. Why? We just got a new Patreon subscriber. <gasps> Yay!
1: I knew yes! it the best. Oh my gosh. Did they do like the Apostle tier or was it <laughs> I like I think the... this
0: was the uh, creationist tier.
1: <laughs> I love that yeah, one.
0: Yeah. Seven day literal creation process. Um,
1: can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. What's Patreon? Oh,
0: Patreon is how you support the artists and creators that you love, um, such as Heathen. Yeah. Heathen Podcast. We're on Patreon. Oh, that's rad. So nice. is it like a Kickstarter? It's, or? Kind of, it's, it's similar. Um, <laughs> it's a subscription. It's a subscription. Okay. So you give a monthly gift. Cool. For us, you can join as for as little as three dollars a month. Oh wow! That's the Trinity level.
1: That's less than a cup of coffee. <laughs>
0: yeah, and uh, it supports this podcast. It supports the work we do on Heathen Happy Hour. It like puts food on our table and all kinds of great stuff. So
1: that's great. I like it. It feels very old timey, like when the, the town used to support the poet.
0: That's you're literally a patron of an artist.
1: That's beautiful.
0: Join us on Patreon, patreoncom Podcast. I'll get the champagne. I love that we spent a minute talking about Mary and Martha and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, because I mean, my, my uh, interest and obsession with femininity uh, probably didn't begin in church, but it was certainly fueled by, by the stories. The most interesting stories in the Bible to me were the Esters and the Ruths and the jail. I like that woman is a badass and I love her so much. Um, and I love that you've uh, chosen uh, to use Jezebel in the title of your book, and I just wondered if there's a story behind that. Um, the, the, the The memoir memoir listeners is uh, called "On Her Knees: Memoir of a Prayerful Jezebel," and I think that's a badass title. And I'd <laughs> love <covers>. to hear <laughs> oh, the cover is absolutely beautiful.
2: Oh, thank um, you. I'd love to hear more. Yes, I love that question. No one's asked me that before um and yeah I just brought up the delay because I didn't want anyone to think out they're like gonna be like she's so rude she keeps cutting them off (laughs) (laughs) no no, not at all (laughs) um yeah it's funny because I when I chose that title even I wasn't very deeply familiar with the story of Jezebel except knowing that she was a deplorable figure that everyone hated and In my memoir iteration of it, I really mean it in the way that it's been given in my evangelical upbringing, which is just Jezebel is synonymous with a sexual girl, someone that is going to tempt you with her sexuality and Mm -hmm. lead you astray and someone that like... Anyone that falls into that category, anyone that's demonized for just being a sexual being, whatever your gender might be, obviously it was weaponized against us as women. She has a Jezebel spirit. She's got the spirit of Jezebel actually being told that there's some sort of demonic force at work inside of you because you're having hormonal changes. And um, it was just so repressive and also so dismissive and gross towards – I mean, sex workers would epitomize it, you know, just being told, like I I noticed recently actually that I was watching some very, very old Dateline. I don't even, don't even ask me, it's quarantine. I don't even know how I stumbled on this. It's just like some 10 year old Dateline episode, (laughs) but I noticed the host say, um, They were basically doing one of those things. I don't know if it was Dateline. It was one of those things where they experiment to see how people would react in a certain situation. So they sent in this girl to a restaurant to pretend she was being, like, taken away or something. And the host said something like, Mm. "Um, you know, this is a girl from the right side of the tracks. She's not just a runaway. She's not just a prostitute. He used Mm. the word just. And... When you look at like Mm -hmm. all of the sex workers that have been murdered and their murders haven't been investigated because any woman who has her sexuality, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, but any woman who is exercising her sexuality with any sort of autonomy in any sort of way that isn't this structurally like repressive, like this is just for your husband and that's it. And the obvious epitome of that would be a woman that is getting paid to have sex with people, she is discarded even in secular society as just 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 just. And again, we see it as recently as yesterday with this tragedy at the um at the massage parlors and you know, bringing up all of those yeah. stories whatever. So I meant it that way. I meant I have been a very sexually motivated being since I can remember, since I was really little. I was like masturbating at 3 years old and that is a really formative part of the human experience. Obviously, even something like kinks are formed by the time you're six years old. So in my book, I Mm. describe my sexuality as like a tree growing through cement in the evangelical church because it was this powerful force that was so inherent to who I am as a human being, but they were trying desperately to stifle it as hard as they could in this layer of cement and it just couldn't be contained and i prayed the whole time that's why i called myself a prayerful jezebel because i was like i'm never letting go of jesus i'm never mm. letting go of any of this yes i am knee deep in my sexuality i talk about in the book how i'm actually not a fan of either extreme i don't like purity culture or no sorry I hate purity culture, I want to burn it to the ground, and I'm not a fan of hookup culture because both of those extremes are things that I yeah. I think of being disembodied in both experiences where you have to take pieces of yourself away to justify what you're doing or to justify what you're not doing, to reside fully in one of those spaces Whereas my book advocates for a really beautiful, healthy sexual ethic that I call sexual integrity. You're sort of like in the middle of this pendulum. You're centered. You are experimenting over here. You're being your Jezebel self, and then you're like, that didn't feel good. I didn't like that. And you're swinging back here, and whatever you do on the other side of that, and you're you're free to explore your humanity and who you are without believing the lie, the complete fallacy that your original sin is your libido. Like these these are just inherent Mm. pieces of ourselves. But also I started researching Jezebel more because I was like thinking people were going to ask me the question because a couple of naysayers were like, how could you take on that term and try to make it positive? She was disgusting. But again, Mm. in my book, I have this one part where I'm like – the men in the Bible are flawed. David, Solomon, they're, they're complicated. They're flawed. They have their bad days. They had a rough, whatever. The women are evil. Eve is evil. Jezebel is evil. They have no redeeming qualities. They are discarded. They are trashed. And mm. that is, again, patriarchy at its finest. And it's so untrue. So for me, I'm like, you know what? I am claiming Jezebel as a term that I am happy to take on. And also, her story has to be so much more complicated. I've I've been reading about her more. And I'm just like, you know, it's basically a woman that wasn't falling in line with what she was supposed to be. They were mad at her because she was worshiping different gods. And she sounds like she was really immersed in her sexual power and her autonomy. And she was brutally murdered and eaten by dogs for it. Yep. I love Jezebel. God bless her. Like I, I, I want to know more about her story because I know we've been fed a patriarchal lie about who that woman was. 100%.
0: Yes. Oh, I love it so much.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, isn't that just the heart of everything?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, we've
1: got what, maybe a decade now where we've had two dimensional characters and female characters in like film, you know, so exciting times. And so now neat, if we could apply that sort of critical thinking around storytelling to the Bible, that would be a really wonderful next step to take to start going, Oh, hey, maybe. Maybe.
0: Maybe. <laughs>
1: These few sentences don't summarize the entirety of this woman's yeah. character. We would have loved Jezebel. She would have been on the podcast.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you brought that up too, Karen, because I was taught I've been talking to a lot more women of color and people from different perspectives that have just told me like, when you read the Bible, think about reading it from different perspectives. What if you were reading this while black? What if you were reading this while brown? What if you were reading this while queer? And just realizing the richness of stories that have been completely dismissed, again, because they've been given through this white patriarchal lens. And again, it's so limiting. It's so limiting of God. There are so many facets to each story in the Bible, and the hero isn't always the white guy, which is what we've been told. And even our Jesus got turned into a white guy, and that's not even true. (laughs) So... But also to your mm. point as well, like I I talk so much about the church and my problems with that, but I also live in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, California. I'm a model. I've been an actress. Um, I would love to turn my book into a movie or a TV show. It's definitely a dream of mine. And all of that said, it's like, yeah, women have been peripheral characters that were used to just like move the story a little bit. I used to read for so many parts that were like slutty girl number three. And they would just have that on a piece of paper. I've been in so many auditions where they were—they wow. would make you sign off and say you were willing to do nudity before they even listened to you speak. So it's immersed in everything. And the church is obsessed with not having sex. The culture is obsessed with having sex. And both cultures are obsessed with Repressing the feminine voice and and the typically repressed mm. voice of a queer person, of a person of color, and thank God it's changing. And as much as church demonizes Hollywood and says it's like leading us astray, I always see Hollywood as really leading the charge to diversity and to storytelling because they're always on the forefront for my opinion, of these like beautiful moves because artists are in that space. Artists are always going to challenge the status quo. Artists aren't responsible for raising your children right or for being utmost in their own morality, but they'll always shake the tree and be like, what's going on in this tree? Or like, I deserve a seat at the table, look at me. And that is gonna have to bleed into church. Church should welcome that thing that they're so scared of. Have you been told you cannot be
0: LGBTQ and spiritual?
1: The Forbidden Apple Podcast is a space that gives voice to queer individuals to reclaim their spirituality.
2: Whatever that means to you.
1: Come find us over at The Forbidden Apple Podcast. I am Melissa Weiss and I grew up in an ultra-orthodox Hasidic Jewish home which was very, very religious.
2: I am Pelayo Alvarez and I grew up back in Spain, also in a very religious Catholic environment.
1: And now we explore what spirituality means to us as out and proud queer individuals.
0: Come join us on all streaming platforms.
1: I think that's what we're seeing so much of right now is this like a lot of this panic around oh god the culture is going to infiltrate is that yeah like that is that is the reality in order for the thank church to god survive, we have access now we've got the internet we've got kids who are grown up and they can get on tiktok at 11 so you can't yeah. shield them from this anymore you can't pretend like this isn't happening and it isn't as easy to other as it used to be right the church can't other the way that it could when when we were kids even it yeah. can't it can't do that as effectively anymore yeah because you've got flame on tiktok that yeah, my can, daughter can go find you
0: can find your people yeah yeah
1: and that mm-hmm. the church will have to answer and adapt to that and if we are not to live in a spirit of fear then perhaps i don't know if god is in control right then then maybe Maybe there's something in there that ultimately could take the church to a better place. That that can open up some of these closets and get some of the skeletons out of there.
0: Yeah, mm,
1: yeah, maybe. I
0: maybe. love that. Um, yeah, maybe.
2: <laughs> or burn it down. I mean, whatever. <laughs> depends on the day. I wasn't going to say it but you just said it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does depend on the day.
2: God.
0: I uh th- I love that you're actually the second guest uh, we've had on Heathen who's talked about masturbating a female identifying guest who's talked about masturbating at the age of 3. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's exactly 3 but yeah. uh, one of our we have sex episodes every now and then where the, that's the theme and one of our sex experts that we have had on multiple times has talked about that. And that's a thing that I like would never have known without having these kinds of conversations and so yes it is it's so important that this kind of content is out there for people to find because clearly y'all ain't the only two you know yeah. like <laughs> there's other people who probably need to know I mean I wasn't one of them I didn't know what was going on down there when I was you know 12 13 it took me a long time to figure out what the little erection was but um <laughs> yeah like this is so important good yeah. stuff I want to respect your time, and and so before we uh, let you go, could we, uh, Brenda? Is is there is there uh, something in your experience, your spiritual experience right now, that is just really helpful for you? We love to um, kind of close out with that. Uh, whether that's something you've reclaimed from your your past spiritual experiences, or just like a whole new practice, um, what's working for you that's making you feel whole and alive, and uh, and and voicing the things that have been oppressed for
2: so long. Hmm. Hiding my phone when my son's around presence, you know, like true, true Mm. presence. Um, I love how C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters has this sentiment where um, they're communicating the demons and the demons are like. Just keep him in the past or the future because God is in the present. And that is so true. It's Mm -hmm. not just, I mean, it feels like it could be stressful, but it's like presence is where everything is. The person sitting next to you in front of you is the most important person in the entire world because this moment right here is all that actually exists. Everything else is a figment of your imagination essentially or a figment of like how you perceived a situation to be. So, practicing presence and with that embodiment has become so, so crucial to me. And Jamie Lee Finch's work has been really formative for me and important. Mm. Her book, You Are Your Own, because she was the first person to help me identify what my body was doing and how I'd neglected her, and also encouraging me to call my body her. Give your body pronouns that you would respect a human being with. I say the same thing for animals. Don't call animals mm. it's. They're he's and she's. Like whenever you say it, it's it's to intentionally dismiss something or make it on a lower level than you. We are he's and she's out in this world, um including your body and so just like paying attention to her and realizing all of the gifts she gives me and the favors she gives me, like I don't do yoga because mm. I have to, or because it's something on my like self-care list, it's because my body starts talking to me and she's like, you've been hunched over your computer. Like I need this from you right now. And I used to just like dismiss, dismiss, dismiss. Like I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And just honoring, like honoring the temple like i've heard that so many times and it was always t- equated to like therefore stay a, a heterosexual virgin until you're married and it's like that's not honoring your body honoring your body is actually honoring her and listening and just those little check in things like if you're if you're noticing your heart rate go up or you're ha- having anxiety about something just like pressing in and being like, hey girl, like what's up? Are you okay? What's going on? And hot showers are another part of that practice for me. I get so many revelations in showers and I just let the warmth of the water hit my skin and breathe it all in and there's no distractions in there. And that's when I really take the time to check in, I think with all pieces of me. And then sexually because I'm sure a lot of people listen to my work because of the sexual elements. I'm making sure to always have fully embodied sexual experiences and something brand new that I brought into that is masturbation because I've always masturbated, but I've never mindfully masturbated. So that's something new for me as well, where I'm just like, I'm actually going to honor this experience and be mindful. And if you're feeling guilty or shameful, check in with it and be like, okay, this is coming up for me. And like remind your body that she's safe, that this is good. This is healthy. It's okay. And then I think that's such a beautiful practice because then when you have a partnered experience in your sexuality, you'll have that same presence ideally where you're like my mind, body, and soul, we're Mm -hmm. all present here in this experience. So- you start with the shower. You move to your masturbation, and then I think partnered sex would be just incredible because it's all about you're here, you're present. Every single piece of you is welcomed in this experience.
0: That's fabulous. That's an amazing list. I love it. That's my shit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, okay, so the the beautiful thing, folks, if the, if any of those uh, practices piqued your interest, and I imagine they did, because you're so good at articulating how these are impacting your experience and mindful masturbation (laughs) um brenda you're talking about these things on on your platform and obviously in your book so folks go pre-order the book right now the link is going to be in our show notes so it's it's just a click just go right there right now pre-order it do 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 us that solid and then um brenda where else can people find you and, and learn more about these things
2: I'm trying to do my TikTok. At God is gray on TikTok, <laughs> it's a struggle. I don't know if I
0: follow you yet, so I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get on there and, and go follow <laughs> you right now. I don't
2: want to have to TikTok. <laughs> oh, I know there's just so many so many things on the list, but yeah, TikTok. I will start having fun with it. I'm on the journey, and um, and then God is gray on Instagram it, it is, is where yeah, that's where I'm most active. Twitter, I'm least active, but you're still welcome to follow me. That's God is Gray EXO. And, um, and then, if anyone wants a resource list of books that have just changed my life and blown me away, there's a beautiful resource list on the back of my book when you buy it. It's out April 6th. Um, but also, if you email Yay. God is Gray XO at gmail, the automatic reply will give you a list of resources as well. And I apologize in advance. I like never respond to emails really, but I try my best to read them and, and, and I love them. I love everybody. I just don't have the bandwidth. i have having a, like a help one day.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fantastic. All of those things are going to be linked in the show notes as well, folks. So go click on those now. And, um, Thank you, Brenda. This was just delightful. We've loved having you. Yeah. You are a, a prophetess uh, and a Jezebel, a prayer for Jezebel. I love it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hang out in San Diego when we're vexed.
0: Let's do it. We're not yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. I love you guys. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank,
0: Thank you so you. much. We love you back.